0: My kids love their snacks just like everyone else, but I'm really picky about what they eat, and if it's going to be something in a package, I want it to be healthy, high quality, and something that's not going to break the bank. I recently discovered Thrive Market, and they check all the boxes. My kids are loving the seaweed snacks, cinnamon applesauce, and the skinny dip dark chocolate almonds. What I love most about Thrive Market is that everything is organic and non-GMO and it's more affordable than what you'll find in the stores. If you join today, you can get 25% off your first order and a free gift. All you have to do is go to thrivemarket.com foodissues. And for every paid membership, they give a free membership to a low-income family. So sign up today at thrivemarket.com foodissues. I'm always trying to get more fruits and vegetables and real foods in my kids' diets, but between school, work, sports, and everything else we have going on, I don't have a lot of time. I need simple, easy kitchen appliances that can help me save time, and the one that I can't do without is the Vitamix. When I received it as a Christmas present a few years ago, I admit I was skeptical because I already had a blender, but the first time I used it, I was hooked. Unlike other blenders, the Vitamix blends everything up into a super smooth consistency, much like a juicer would, except you get all the nutritious fiber that regular juicers leave behind. And what I love most about the Vitamix is that it isn't just for smoothies. Every Vitamix has an entire range of textures to choose from, so you can use it to make dips and spreads, nut and seed butters, hummus and guacamole, Muffins, pizza dough, plant-based milk, and frozen treats. Vitamix has been around for 70 years, and all of their blenders are powerful, durable, and built to last, and they come with a full warranty. To get free shipping off any Vitamix purchase over $50, just go to my website, julirevelant.com slash shop, and click on Vitamix. This is Food Issues, in every episode, we bring you experts to tackle the real challenges around feeding kids and offer practical insights to help organizations, communities, and parents create change. I'm your host, Julie Revelon. Studies show pregnant women are consuming too much added sugar during pregnancy, and it's something some experts have even coined "secondhand
1: sugar. Really, the, the kind of name of the game is to be conservative because most pregnant women are probably taking in more than they realize anyway.
0: That's Dana Angela White, a registered dietitian, certified athletic trainer, journalist, nutrition and fitness consultant, and author of nine cookbooks. We'll talk about sugar cravings and morning sickness, how much sugar is too much, and easy ways to enjoy sweets without overindulging. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the Food Issues Podcast. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to come on. You know, I've been following you for several years. Um, I've read one of your books and just kind of follow you on Instagram and always love how you post what you're what you're making for the week for your family and all the different recipes that you have. So let's talk about your story and, and why did you become a registered dietitian? And tell me a little bit more about your career path and what your business looks like today.
1: All right. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for you're always so engaged on my social media, which I appreciate so much. And I <laughs> do, I really am making those things every week. So it, it is authentic for sure. Um, I started out my career actually in sports medicine. So I started out uh, studying sports medicine, became a certified athletic trainer, which is um, a four-year degree that a lot of people confuse for being like a personal trainer. It's, it's much more, it's more about emergency medicine and, and rehabilitation and things like that. So in doing that and working so closely with athletes, um, you know, I, I, nutrition was on my radar, but it really wasn't until I started out in my career working as an athletic trainer. I worked at a boarding school, was actually my first job, and working with these athletes, these high school athletes, I realized how much I really didn't know about nutrition and how many questions I was being asked about nutrition. And so that is what led me to go back to school, get a master's degree in nutrition and and become a registered dietitian. And really in that process, I kind of thought I would focus only on sports nutrition and it really kind of branched out from there in a bunch of different directions.
0: Yeah, and today, I mean, you've written a lot of cookbooks, right? Is that your main business, or are there
1: other things that you do? So i I wear two very different hats, both in the kind of nutrition world. I'm so I'm so grateful because I really have. It's kind of an unlikely combination, but it's definitely like my dream job in a in a sense. So I spend part of my time working at Quinnipiac University. It's a small Division One school in uh, Hamden, Connecticut. I, I'm based in Connecticut. I am their sports dietitian and a member of their faculty in their athletic training department. So I get to teach athletic training students, the nutrition, some of the nutrition stuff that I wish I had learned when I was in school. Uh-huh. So I, I do that during, you know, the academic year. So during, you know, September to, to May, I'm pretty busy doing that. And then I also kind of simultaneously have spent the last, you know, 15 years starting a consulting business. So that is Dana White Nutrition. And that is where, it's kind of an unlikely story how I ended up doing so much culinary. We can talk about that later if you want. Um, but I it, I started doing media consulting and a lot of culinary nutrition. And that is what led me to write all these cookbooks. My my ninth cookbook just came out. Wow. Yeah. And um, I, a whole nine months was actually, I know we were going to talk about that. That's actually one of the first projects I ever worked on. And um, I've also... I've been with the Food Network for 13 years. It was actually just my 13-year anniversary working as, a, as the nutrition expert for foodnetwork.com was just the other day.
0: Wow, that's awesome. What a cool mix of everything, right?
1: It's weird. It's like you know, sports nutrition and culinary nutrition, but it really was these two areas that I am just so passionate about. And I'm really grateful that I was able to figure out a way to really be able to live in both of those worlds where I still get to focus on athletic training and sports medicine and then I also get to do all the culinary stuff. I think that's a big misconception about dietitians. I think everybody just assumes all dietitians are, are great cooks and most of them are not. They know a lot about the science and a lot about food, but they're not really, they don't really have the training or really maybe not, aren't not even interested in it. So the culinary nutrition is something that's really important to me.
0: Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So Dana, why do some women, or would you say most women get sugar cravings during pregnancy?
1: So I think it's kind of, there's a bunch of different reasons. I I think, you know, there's a huge behavioral component to the way everyone eats. And I think your relationship with food prior to being pregnant is definitely, you know, has a huge impact, obviously, on when you are pregnant. Because I think many women use pregnancy as a, as a license to eat maybe all the foods that they usually try to restrict themselves or maybe, you know, try to shy away from when they're not pregnant. I see that a lot. And, and sometimes I think, I mean, it's truly, I mean, pregnancy cravings are certainly a real thing. Um, you know, there's, there's some data on it. It's kind of a hard thing to, to research, but I think there is some, some real true physiological changes that happen that, that kind of trigger some of these cravings, but then in other cases, I think it's just a lot of times people are just like, hey, great, you know what? I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And those, you know, if they gravitate towards sugary foods, then it will lead them there. So it's, it's, I mean, nutrition research is so hard to do anyway. It's very hard to tease out the the variables, especially the behavioral ones. So I think it's, there's really a, a combination of factors that influence that.
0: Yeah, I had read years ago when I was pregnant that, a deficiency could be the cause of cravings during pregnancy, during food cravings in general. Is that true?
1: I don't think we really know. I've Uh seen some evidence to say that, but I've also seen plenty that says, you know what, we're not really sure. You know, they, they've talked about it. I've seen probably, I think the most data is probably in, in things like minerals, like iron saying that women kind of seek out these certain foods. Um, You know, if we, if we turn that out, I, I haven't actually seen a paper on this, but if we if we apply that same logic to something like sugar, um, if you think about glucose, I mean there is a tremendous demand for glucose um, for fetal development. It's really actually that's why there's so many shifts in. Like kind of, I would say, mom's metabolism when she's pregnant, she ends up using more fat for fuel than in a, than in a non pregnant state. Without getting too crazy biochem on you, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> it, it, there is this kind of shift where 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 mom relies more heavily on fat for fuel because so much glucose is being designated to the baby, and that's just a normal kind of physiological shift that we see in pregnancy. So there may be something to that, where because something like sugar is the purest, most easily digestible form of carbohydrate. But then, of course, it doesn't have a lot of nutrients along with it. So that's where we have to be careful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, research shows that a, a majority of women gain too much weight during pregnancy. And, and I think it's safe to assume that sugar probably ties into that, plays into that. And so what are the reasons that women should limit the amount of sugar, added sugars we're talking about here, uh, during pregnancy?
1: So it's really, I mean, the the reasoning is very, is very similar to what we would say to all Americans, because most people consume too much added sugar. But I think obviously the the stakes are higher here when, when you're pregnant and, you know, there's so many other things going on physiologically, but I I think really, I mean, it does come down to those empty calories. you know, sugar itself does not as much, it's a pure source of carbohydrate it's, it's, but it's really nothing but calories in most cases. So you're not getting, it's, it's not nutrient dense. That's what we say in the, the nutrition world, right? Is that you're getting a lot of calories, but you're not getting a lot of nutrients along with it. So it kind of, it, it really has the potential to drive that unwanted weight gain.
0: Right. And what are some other reasons that women should really, you know, try to curb the sugar that they get during pregnancy?
1: you know it's really about blood sugar control is is really one of the things too again there's a lot of stress on the body that happens when you're pregnant and and thankfully most women i mean we're we're super that we're super powerful that we can handle these changes but the idea is that you know being mindful of things like blood sugar control is is something you obviously want to be careful of i think it's a common misconception that you know, if you eat sugar, you'll get gestational diabetes. There, there are several other factors that contribute to gestational diabetes, including genetics and, and some other factors as well. But th- that, you know, undesired additional weight gain, I think, can, can really be impacted if you're just eating a bunch of junk that's coming from added sugar. And, you know, in addition to, just, I mean, there obviously is an increased demand for calories to, to support a healthy pregnancy. But it depends on a lot of things, you know, how much weight you're, you're actually supposed to gain is really based on, you know, what your pre-pregnancy weight was, right? So were you underweight, normal weight or overweight to begin with at the time that you became pregnant, that does scale how much weight you're supposed to gain in a quote unquote healthy pregnancy, you know, to support the needs of, of a pregnancy. So if you're eating a lot of, you know, calories, but a lot of, not a lot of nutrients, you know, you may not be getting the nutrients that you need. Despite the fact that you're gaining all that weight,
0: yeah, absolutely. And you know, I actually found a study that showed that you could actually have challenges with breastfeeding. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Did you think that was interesting? I did. I did. I think, you know, again, I I, th- I we need multiple studies to really pin that down, but I definitely thought that that was interesting. And I know so many women do do find it to be challenging and and I I, I mean, it it definitely makes sense to me. So you know that would even lead to the fact that you know not only during pregnancy but then post-pregnancy during that that postpartum phase where there's you know so much going on in terms of of breastfeeding that there it could be problematic as well. And I think the same you're looking at a similar scenario in the sense that there is there continues breastfeeding mothers continue to need an additional caloric requirement in order to support milk production. So you could be dealing in that same space where, you know, obviously the quality of there's this increased demand for calories and nutrients and the quality of those calories really does matter.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I wanted to mention, too, is that in my research, I found uh, a study and um, the authors actually of Sugar Proof came up with this term called secondhand sugar. And their their idea is that, you know, excess added sugars during pregnancy can have problems in utero with the baby, pregnancy complications, and then also later down the line with, with the baby, you know, with the child itself, um, and so I'll have them on a, on a future episode of food issues. Um, but that's pretty interesting. Cause I don't think we talk about um, sugar in that way. Like it's so, you know, it's secondhand sugar, kind of scary, right? <laughs> right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, I mean, once you give that, that name on it, I think that's definitely interesting. I will, I will certainly tune in for that. I, I definitely think there's something there. And I think ultimately it just comes down. I think, you know, most pregnant women want to do the best by themselves, you know, by by their bodies and by their babies. I just think it's so confusing. Yeah. Right? So I think it really comes down to getting some good tangible facts, you know, so that they can make the best choices possible.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to go to break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about how much is too much sugar during pregnancy. People often ask me how I got my kids to be such healthy eaters. And the truth is that one of the best things I did was bring them in the kitchen with me to cook. And research actually shows that kids who learn how to cook, eat more fruits and vegetables are more willing to try new foods and have healthier diets overall. If you don't know how to cook or don't like to cook, the Kids Cook Real Food eCourse is for you. The course, which was created by a mom of four and former teacher, is designed to build connection, confidence, and creativity in the kitchen. In this course, you'll get more than 30 basic cooking skills, 45 videos, including a ton of bonuses, principal supply and grocery shopping lists, and kid-friendly recipes like veggie bean burritos and spaghetti squash lasagna. The course is designed for all kids ages two to teen and has three different skill levels. Your kids will learn how to crack eggs, cook rice, make a salad, and safely use knives, the oven, and appliances. If your kids have food allergies or dietary restrictions, no problem because the course has a ton of substitutions. My kids and I have taken the course and it was so easy to follow along that they even made an entire recipe on their own. More than 18,000 families have taken the course and the Wall Street Journal named it the number one cooking class for kids. If you're trying to cut down on processed foods and get your kids to eat more real whole foods and become healthy eaters, then the Kids Cook Real Food e-course is for you. You can sign up for the course by going to kidscookrealfood.com slash Food issues. And because you're a listener, you'll get a free lesson. Again, go to kidscookrealfood.com slash food issues and sign up today. Yeah, so in our last segment, we were talking about the health effects of excess added sugars during pregnancy. And and like you said, Dana, we don't we want to really support women and not make them feel bad about it and kind of inform them about the best ways to approach nutrition during pregnancy. And so one of the things I think often comes up is that we need to know how much sugar is too much sugar during pregnancy. And so are there official guidelines for this?
1: So uh, uh, I am not aware of any, I think the, the whole idea of added sugar is, is a pretty new concept, meaning that it's, well, it's not a new concept, but in terms of like food labels, right? We've just, it's just became mandatory for added sugars to be designated on food labels, which I think is a huge step in the right direction in really educating people about the amount of added sugar that they're taking in. So if you look at the current dietary guidelines and what they set forth, they call it you know the daily value. So that that is, is considered an average. So that's what all those little percentage marks on food labels are based on. It's based on the daily value. And that daily value is considered a kind of, you know, reasonable average for a, a healthy adult is kind of how they set, they set that forth. Then, you know, there are certain, like, you know, there's also a DV for calcium or for iron, for example. So clearly the DV for iron for, you know, is going to be set forth on the food label as one thing, but then pregnant women are going to have iron needs that are higher, right? So- you know those are just kind of there there are some suggestions floating around, but I think ultimately it comes down to the individual when you start to consider how much added sugar every pregnant woman needs to take in. But realistically, because there is so much added sugar out there in the universe, really the the kind of name of the game is to be conservative because most pregnant women are probably taking in more than they realize anyway.
0: Yeah, because it just shows up in practically everything that's processed or, you know, dips, sauces, dressings. It's unbelievable. Um, And it's a good habit to get into, you know, reading labels during pregnancy, which can help you later on and and also help you curb sugar with your children. And so one of the things that, you know, all pregnant women or I'd say a majority of pregnant women battle during pregnancy is, is that dreaded morning sickness. And so when you just want kind of comfort food and just kind of feel better, how can they satisfy their sweet tooth, but also limit the amount of added sugars?
1: So, yeah, I, so I've, I have three children and, um, I had varying amounts of morning sickness. I think overall I was pretty lucky in that it wasn't, you know, awful. And it was kind of your typical first trimester, super queasy, you know, sort, sort of feelings. I definitely had a couple of my pregnancy, you know, one particular particular Pregnancy was worse than the other two in that department. But I, I think there's a varying degree of severity in, in morning sickness symptoms, of course. And I think that, I mean, my general recommendation for women is to is to kind of go with those cravings. Again, I think pregnant women are also can be very, very hard on themselves. Me- meaning that, you know, if you feel like having nothing but butter toast for like a day, just it's fine, just do it. you yeah. know it's really you know instead of trying to force yourself to eat like a huge salad when you're feeling super nauseous, like that's not really good for you either. um certainly if you're if you're you know if we're worried about weight gain, you know if if, if you tip over into more severe cases of morning sickness where you're symptomatic, you know, for all three trimesters, like then you have to start to be a little bit more conservative. um I would start so checking the labels um first of all, and I do have a trick for how to, how to calculate added sugar, which I'm happy to share with you. Um, and then I think really going for natural sugars, like fruit-based sugars, right? So that's the, you know, we talk about added sugars, but even things like honey and maple syrup, those are all considered added sugars, which I think a lot of people don't understand. But I think taking advantage of, of a lot of, kind of fruit-based sugars, even things like frozen bananas and adding those to smoothies and things like that can be a really good way to kind of scratch some of those itches without even touching any added sugar in that particular meal or snack.
0: Right. And when it comes to processed foods, it, I think one thing that's confusing is when you see fruit juice concentrate on the label as an added sweetener,
1: right? You should avoid that. Correct. And I think that's where the, those are still considered added sugars. So in the, so in the old food labels, it just said total sugars and there was no way in, you know, you'd have to start reading the ingredient list. And then unless you were very well-versed in all the different, you know, terminology that was added sugar, you could very easily get lost. You know, obviously if it's, you know, soda, there's no, you know, natural sugar can really only comes from fruit or dairy, right? So, you know, a, a, you know, a Coke is never going to have any fruit or dairy. So you're, you can pretty much deduce that that's all added sugars, but when we get into more, even things like yogurt, yogurt is so confusing, right? And Mm -hmm. we want to take advantage of the, you know, the calcium, the vitamin D, the probiotics. But I think that's an area where women get confused. I mean, I've had women say to me, you know, I can't believe they're adding sugar to my plain Greek yogurt because they saw that there was a sugar content, but it was just the naturally existing sugar from the milk. right? Right. And those naturally existing sugars are not why, you know, we're overweight. That, that really is, is not, is not the culprit. So now that those added sugars are are specified, including things like fruit juice concentrates, it makes it easier. and there's a few other names for things like that too. Um, I think it does certainly then kind of take some of the guesswork out of understanding what is added and what is natural.
0: Great. and can you talk about how to figure out how many grams of sugar? yeah, so it's a, it's
1: just it's a very simple trick, but I think you know the good news is we post added sugars. The bad news is people don't think in grams, right so it, when you see something in grams, you can certainly make a comparison, right? So if you have a yogurt, you have you know yogurt a and it has ten grams of added sugar versus yogurt B that has twenty grams, you can certainly make a comparison. But you know what that really translates to in terms of amounts is still kind of you know a gray area. So the trick that I tell people is that if you just take the total gram value of added sugar and divide it by four, it will tell you approximately how many teaspoons of sugar you're dealing with. And I think teaspoons is something most people can wrap their brain around a lot more easily than grams. So if you see that 20 grams of sugar divided by four, that's about five teaspoons of added sugar.
0: Excellent. That is really helpful, especially when it comes to our kids, because we never know how much they're actually getting. So that's a great guide. So we're going to take a break right now. When we get back, we're going to walk through some really easy, realistic tips to limit sugar during pregnancy. If you have picky eaters, you're not alone. And as a mom of two, I totally get it. But through the years, as both a journalist and a mom, I've discovered the secrets to raising kids who love their veggies and will eat just about anything. And I want to share what I've learned with you in my free ebook, 15 Secrets to Raise Healthy Eaters and Put an End to Picky Eating. This book is filled with evidence-based real-life strategies that will help you raise healthy eaters without sneaking foods, bribing, negotiating, or making food into art projects. To get the book, just go to julirevelant.com and click on freebies. So Dana, why don't you take me through some easy tips for
1: moms to limit sugar during pregnancy? So I think really the place to start with my best tip is to not try to avoid it completely. Um, I think to try to, you know, cut it out cold turkey, think you're going to stay away from it entirely. It's just not going to work. And it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And, And so I think to but I, this is where I suggest a, a very mindful approach. And it's really think about what, what sugar do you really want to eat, right? Is it, is it that? Is it a cookie? Is it a certain beverage that you like? You know, it, And really then enjoy it and savor it and don't feel guilty about it. But, but try to carve out those, uh, call the indulgent, call it a pleasure, whatever you want to call it. And, and don't try to completely cut it out because that's, that's usually never going to work. Okay. So the other thing though, is then to take inventory of, of how much sugar you're actually eating. And I, that can be a, a very simple step. I, I even do this with my, with my children. Like I will, you know, that, that little trick that we were just talking about in terms of teaspoons, like I will, I will look at food labels with them and I will say, Hey, you know, how many teaspoons are in here? And so that they can start to gain an appreciation for it too. So definitely take inventory. I think, you know, you, you know, like we had said earlier, beverages, condiments things like that are very easily they kind of slip through the cracks and and they don't count. You know, people say, "Oh, I don't eat candy, I don't drink soda, I don't eat sugar." Well, yeah, right, right. And so it's coming mm-hmm. in from other places. So make sure you know where it's coming and then decide maybe some areas where you might be able to get rid of it so you can make room for the for those options that you really do want to enjoy.
0: Yeah, and are there certain foods that women should try to focus on given what, you know, they crave
1: and how they feel throughout the day? So I think I think the best key too is to not eat an added sugar a high sugar, high sugar food by itself. Um, I think you know when we when when we digest certain nutrients, like there actually really is a big difference between eating in terms of the way that you digest and metabolize it. It's very different when you eat an added sugar by itself, and then once if you eat it with something else. Okay, now that obviously that's something else that's a little vague, but the second you eat something that has carbohydrate in it along with something that has fiber, for example, or protein or fat, it's going to slow down the digestion of that carbohydrate or that sugar. So to have it with combination, right? So let's say you're really craving a piece of dark chocolate, you know, have the piece of dark chocolate and then have, you know, have some high fiber fruit along with it, maybe some berries or something like that. Not only... I find that even just the order of doing that will help kind of shut down that craving. So have the chocolate and then have the berries instead of going back for more chocolate. That's kind of one avenue of it. But then in addition to that, having that high fiber fruit along with it will make you feel more full and satisfied so that, again, you're not going back for more chocolate.
0: Wow, Dana, that's something I've never read, the order. I love that trick. That is great.
1: It's, I learned it, I honestly don't even remember where I learned it, but it was someone described it to me and they called it, they called it the dessert flip, right? So they said, you know, you know, when you get, I really wish I could remember who, who I learned this from, but so it, it, it's this idea of like, you know, you get this big decadent piece of chocolate cake along with like a little fanned out strawberry, right? You know, the idea is like, can you flip that? Can you have a small amount of something decadent accompanied by something, you know, fresh fruit or something like that? So that you're not necessarily feeling deprived, you're still trying to getting what you want, but it's not, you know, and then I've kind of taken that to that other level of this idea of, you know, nobody eats one Oreo, right? You eat an (laughs) Oreo, you go back for more Oreos. So if you can have something there along with it, that will kind of just even change your palate over to to a different kind of flavor profile. And then, you know, why not also have it be satisfying in terms of its its fiber content or something like that, then you're much less likely to keep going on the high sugar foods. That's perfect. And then overall, should
0: women focus on eating protein fiber, healthy fats to balance their blood sugar, keep hunger at bay throughout the day and not increase those sugar cravings? A hundred percent. I
1: think a lot another mistake you know, women make is that you know, especially during pregnancy, even, like they'll try to save calories, right? You know, they try to say, "Oh, I really want to have a bat cupcake later, so let me, you know, i'm gonna I'll skip lunch or something. and And again, that almost always backfires. Um, You know, women that do experience morning sickness, I I feel like most of them do have certain times of day when they're more hungry. So I do encourage them to capitalize on those times. But, you know, also, but that that never means like you're skipping meals at other points that that never works. And for blood, blood sugar control and energy levels, it's just never a good idea.
0: Yeah, not for anybody. <laughs>
1: right, right.
0: So I know you're a big foodie like I am, and I'd love to hear what your favorite low sugar swaps are. So if people are making things at home or or even purchasing in the store, what are some of your favorites?
1: So we do a uh, frozen bananas are like a big thing in my house um, because I think they are a great way to add natural sweetness to you know a smoothie. Um, We'll even dip them in a little bit of chocolate. Um, you know, make, we, we do these little peanut butter bites where we'll do like a slice of banana, a little bit of nut butter, and then a little bit drizzle of chocolate and then freeze it. Wow. That sounds good. Like a little bonbon sort of thing. (laughs) Um, and the, the other thing I was, is that, you know, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it used to be trendy. I don't think it's really as trendy anymore, but that one ingredient banana ice cream where you take frozen bananas. Did you ever make that? I do
0: it all the time. My kids love it. And we use Fairlife milk because it's very, I guess, higher in protein. It's filtered milk. Mm -hmm. So it makes it just like ice
1: cream and they love it. It is shocking to me. Every time I make it, it's shocking to me. Because like, I mean, I think, you know, bananas have a very banana-y flavor. So it really, once they're cold and whipped like that, it really does even if you're not a huge banana fan, I feel like you can still really enjoy that because it really does ends up tasting more like vanilla soft serve than it does like a banana, which is still, it blows my mind every time. Yeah. So the other thing too, is that there's simple things that you can do, even just in, in the terms of cutting back on sugar. I think I probably do that more than, more than swap out. Um, I'm not, a, I don't use a lot of artificial Sweeteners in, in my household, you know, what when I was pregnant or not. It's just not something that that I've typically ever done. So, but what I will do is reduce it. You know, there, there's plenty, you know, whether it's like a, you know, recipe for muffins or something like that. Nobody wants to eat a muffin without sugar, right? You need some element, whether it be honey, maple syrup, whatever the case may be. But a lot of the times you could actually cut back by a third or even a half of what the recipe calls for. And still get something really delicious, right? Add a little applesauce or something like that instead, you know, to to provide some of that natural sweetness. I'd say most of the muffin recipes that I have that I've developed in my cookbooks and on my website have an element of that. There's rather a combination of honey and maple syrup. You know, there very well may be some actual just plain old sugar, but it's a reduced amount where I've kind of played with it to get to the point where I've kept the sugar low, but the flavor profile is still really high.
0: How do you feel about coconut sugar? Is that does that give you a lower hit to to the to your blood sugar?
1: No, I, not enough to really matter, to be honest with yeah. you. I think it, you know it, it's very trendy. It's also super expensive. Yeah, it it's definitely got a different edge of flavor to it that I you know I think some people like more than others. I like to use it as more of like a finishing. You know, sugar, maybe in a little bit of oatmeal or maybe a little bit of yogurt or something like that, like some plain yogurt. But I, I don't I don't really think I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that I think, you know, honey, maple syrup, all these, you know, alternative, quote unquote, natural, you know, or they're not natural technically, um, but maybe less processed sugars is probably a best, the best way to to title them you're still going to have a blood sugar response. It doesn't mean that, that, you know, the floodgates can open and that you can have as much of them as you want. They really all should be consumed in the same kind of strict moderation.
0: Right, yeah, sugar is sugar. Mm -hmm. You mentioned your book before, The Whole Nine Months, which you co-authored with Dr. Jennifer Lang, who I actually interviewed years ago when I was writing for Fox News. And it's very comprehensive. But what I love about it, it's just easy to read. It doesn't overwhelm you. It's not highly scientific. So it's, it's very user friendly. And I also love your recipes because they're just very basic, straightforward, easy, simple ingredients. I love the grilled tomato basil pizza and I know you're a big you do pizza every Friday night with your family. And I love the taco salad cups, but I'd love to hear what your favorite recipes are from the book.
1: Well, thank you. I I still enjoyed working with uh, Jennifer Lang on on this project. She was she was also a foodie we tr- honestly did not know each other before this project. We were brought together to, you know, some other mind thought that we would work well together and we and we definitely did and it was really fun to collaborate with her and and take you know her ideas and my ideas and bring it together you know in into this this final product and um it it, that you you nailed it that's exactly what i was going for really simple whole foods clean ingredients but also very easy right To, to wrap your brain around or if you weren't feeling all that well you know really kind of nourishing simple Whole foods is what we were going for. Um, but also, of course, delicious, because who cares if it's healthy and nourishing <laughs> and all of those things if it doesn't taste good, right? Yeah. Um, and I would say, in terms of sugar, most of the recipes we, we focused on, you know, maple syrup was probably the primary ingredient that we, we use in addition to fruits and fruits juices. And we use a lot of herbal teas, right? So, so, just this idea of sometimes even just to add an element of, of sweet, it doesn't have to even be something that's really sweet. But if you combine fruit with an herbal tea, for example, like we did in some of the ice pops and granitas that, that are in the book, you you really up that flavor profile without adding any sugar at all. Um, I think, the, I, I don't know if this was just the subconscious thing. I did crave a ton of avocado while all three of my pregnancies. Huh. Um, and and going back, there's a lot of avocado uh, recipes yeah. <laughs> in this book. Um, the pomegranate guacamole is definitely one of my, my favorites. um, this idea of just, you know, adding a, that little kind of element of, of sweet and juicy crunch in with avocado is kind of unexpected and and fun. Um, there's even an avocado ice cream recipe in there, um, that I still make all of the time. Um, and then, you know, I think another, another two of my favorites, um, was a, a coconut soup. Okay. That- that was just this kind of nourishing ginger broth that really kind of saved me on several occasions, you know, on those days that I really wasn't feeling all that well in my pregnancies. Um, and then, you know, the kale and mango salad is another one that just sticks out. It's just this kind of one of those staple recipes that, that I still love to make. And another thing that we, that we really tried to do in the recipes in this book is, is use a lot of, you know, we, we did a whole bunch of different like sauces and salad dressings, right, that you very easily could make from scratch. Some of those places that, you know, those unexpected places where you do find added sugars. So we, we made them without added sugars, or we used, you know, fresh fruit juice, like fresh squeezed orange juice in a salad dressing, really to um, to provide some of that, that sweetness, but not that overpowering, clawing, you know, high fructose corn syrup thing that you might get in a bottled version.
0: Right. Yeah. That sounds delicious. So Dana, thank you so much for your time today. I love talking with you. It was, it was a lot of fun. Tell me where listeners can go to learn more about you
1: and your work. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. I'm DanaWhiteNutrition.com is my website. There's tons of recipes and information on their um, links. All my cookbooks can be found on Amazon and I'm pretty much Dana white nutrition on all social media.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dana. Thank you. That was such a fun interview with Dana-Angelo White, and I really loved when she shared all of her tips for cutting down on sugar. I'm definitely going to try that dessert flip idea. I'd love to hear what you liked about this episode or any of the episodes. Just head to my website, julirevelant.com, find the episode and click on the button to record a voicemail for me. Also, be sure to go into Apple Podcasts and leave a review and a rating so we can reach more people. I'm Julie Revelant, and thank you for listening to Food Issues. You can connect with me on julierevellant.com and on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.